Good morning. How are we all doing? I want to welcome uh, all of you here this morning and those of you who are visiting us. Um, we're so glad that you're with us and those of us who are watching online. And thanks, Tim, for reading us the word. Um, and we pray that God would uh, speak to us this morning as we open our hearts to him. Um, first of all, blessed Father's Day. You fathers out there, God bless you all. And may you grow up um, and bring up your children as well in the fear of God. God bless you. Let's just pray and commit this word into his hands. Our Father God, we thank you this morning that we can look to you. And Father, we pray that as we come before you, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts. Open our minds and open our ears that we will see you high and lifted up. Be with us, we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We're starting a new series from this Sunday called Singing the Psalms. We're into spring. So, singing the Psalms. So, we'll be looking at a series of Psalms and we'll be singing them as we look into what the Psalms have got for us. So, this morning we are looking at Psalms 34. And I've titled it, When the Going Gets Tough. When the Going Gets Tough. Okay. Now, Thomas Edison was a pretty amazing man. He invented microphones, phonographs, a glowing light, storage batteries, talking movies, and more than 100 other things. He worked for 10 years on a storage battery. And he had, and this, this, this project of a storage battery, it greatly strained his finances. On December 1914, this particular evening, a fire broke out in the film room. Within minutes, all packing compounds celluloids for, record, uh, for the records and, film, and, and films and other flammable goods were up in flames. Fire companies from eight surrounding towns arrived, but the heat was so intense, the water pressure so low, the attempt to douse the flames were useless. Everything was destroyed. Edison was 67 years old at the time. With all his assets going up in flames, that would surely break him. Edison's 24-year-old son, Charles, searched anxiously for his father. Finally found him calmly watching the fire, his face glowing in the reflection and his white hair blowing in the wind. And Charles says, my heart ached for him. He was 67 no longer a young man, and everything was going up in flames. And when he stood there, uh, uh, when I saw him, Charles says, Edison shouted, Charles, where's your mother? I told him I didn't know, and he, and, and he said, find her, bring her here. She will never see anything like this as long as she lives. I'll finish the story later. It was a tragic turn of events. But it makes us think, what do we do when the going gets tough? 
precious does. What do we do when the going gets tough? When it's all going wrong, when it feels like it's going to go up in flames, what do you do? We look at Psalm 34 that would help us during those tough times. This psalm gives thanks to God for deliverance from various life-threatening situations like illness, enemies, fears, and dangers. So this particular song of thanksgiving is written by David. The circumstances in which David wrote these words were anything but good. And as we heard from Tim, as he read the psalm, we thought, well, what a beautiful psalm is this. But the circumstances in David's life was anything but good. It says at the beginning of the psalm, in the context, in some of your Bibles, it gives a small uh, uh, title when the psalm was written. And that gives a context when the psalm was written. This psalm was written when David pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away, and David fled to the cave of Adullam. We read all about this in 1 Samuel chapter 21. So the context for Psalms 34 is 1 Samuel chapter 21. This psalm comes out of an embarrassing incident in David's life. He's running from King Saul, who's, who's, wanting to, uh, who's seeking to kill him. This time, it, 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 maybe he panicked. We don't know. Maybe he panicked and he fled from uh, Israeli territory and went straight into the enemy camp in Gath. Bit of a map there for you. That's us tell out there. And uh, you can see the place, Nob. That's where. When Saul tried to kill David with a spear, David fled to the temple. And he went there and he got some bread and he got the sword of Goliath. And he fled to Gath on the, uh, on, on, on the left side of the screen. It was in Philistine territory and David flees there. He thought maybe Saul won't touch him. He flees there. It's rather bizarre, don't you think? That David goes to the Philistine country, goes to a town called Gath. Now, what is Gath famous for? Anyone? Sorry? Yeah? Goliath? This champion, this Goliath was from this hometown of Gath. And what's the story behind it? David had killed a champion. And it's bizarre to think that David is running to the enemy camp to the city. So here is David showing up in Goliath's town, carrying Goliath's sword, a beast of a weapon. It is like a red flag before a bull. And David is walking up. And these uh, uh, blacksmiths sing, oh, I made that sword. In fact, people, historians say the sword was specially designed sword for Goliath, who was nine foot tall. Must have been a beast of a sword, a big sword. And they presented it in, in the temple to their gods for the destruction of the enemies. And now here, their enemy, David, is carrying the sword and walking into the town. It wasn't long 
in Gath before David was found out who he was. His identity was blown. The servant of the Philistine king said, Isn't this David whom the Israelis sing that Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands? When David heard this, he panicked again. He jumped from the frying pan into fire. What did he do? He decided to act like a madman. Like a maniac. He was clawing on the walls of the city gates. Drooling his saliva on his beard. Acting like a madman. Remember, David was a young man at this time. He was anointed king of Israel. And now he's acting like a madman. What a picture that must have been. Like a dog clawing on the door. And letting saliva run down his beard. And the Philistine king fell for this trick. At this time, David was a refugee running from King Saul. Who was trying to kill him. Far from home. On the run. David's whole life seems to be burning to the ground right in front of him. His whole life seems to be falling apart in front of him. What's he going to do now? What do we do, friends, when the going gets tough? This psalm, this psalm shows us three things that will help us to keep going when the going gets tough. Firstly, this is what David does. Now we know where David is. He, is, he flees from Gath and he goes into a cave. He's in this cave. There are about 400 men with him. People who were in debt, who were distressed, and those who were, who were running for their lives. Because Saul was hunting down David's family. And his family too joined him there. And all those people who were in debt, in distress, in discontent in life joined David. And David became the leader. It was in this cave. Fleeing from his life. Not wanted by anybody. His own people did not want him. The enemies did not want him. They all wanted to see him dead. This is what David does. Three things. Number one, firstly... Verses 1 to 3 of Psalms 34. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. David praises God in his never, and his never-ending goodness in this cave. Hunted down like an animal. In this cave, when everything was falling apart, David begins to praise God. He says, I will. It's a choice he makes. I will extol the Lord at all times. Doesn't matter what he's going through. He said, I will extol the Lord at all times. Blessing and praise are common themes in this psalm. The word bless comes from the same Hebrew word as knee. As you kneel down. Has to bless literally means to bend the knee. To kneel before a sovereign God. The maker of the heaven and earth. God who created this earth. This supreme, this sovereign God. And David said in that cave. I will bend my knees to this God. And I will bless his name. So the first thing David does is. He praises the Lord. And he says at all times. 
Praising God will always be on my lips. The first three verses is all about praising God. And friends, it's easy when everything is a-okay. It's easy to praise God when everything is fine. But it's another thing to praise God when everything is going against you. When life is falling apart, David says, I will choose to praise him. Let's not forget that David is running for his life. The situation is so bad, he, pre he pretends that he's insane just to preserve his life. And, this, and, and David, the rightful anointed king of Israel, is forced to act like a madman just to keep his own life. He couldn't go to his house. He couldn't go to his palace. He couldn't go to Samuel the prophet. He couldn't go to Jonathan, his best buddy. He couldn't go to the house of the Lord. He went into a cave. In the midst of this dark time, this was the darkest time in David's life. In the midst of this dark time, David says, I will praise the Lord at all times. And friends, what a lesson it is for us this morning. When everything seems to be falling apart, I will choose to praise God. At all times. What does all times mean? It means in every type of situation that we'll find ourselves. It's a habit. It's a lifestyle. I will choose to praise God. Not content with praising God on his own. He now stirs up these 400 men who were with him in the cave. He stirs them up and he says, come, let us magnify the Lord together. Come, glorify the Lord with me. He never said, oh, come, let's magnify our problems together. There are a lot of problems there. He didn't say, let's talk about them until it becomes impossible, until the sun goes down. We have problems in our life, but we have the Lord in our life as well. Who do you want to magnify? Choose you this day. Who do you want to magnify? Your problems or God? We glorify him by recognizing him in our daily lives. Who he is and what great things he has done for us. We acknowledge and we ascribe greatness and power and we declare that he's far above all gods. That's how, his name is higher than any other names. He is the Lord, he is God. So in verse 3, David is pleading for those who are with him to come and worship. Just like we gathered this morning, David is gathering up his men to worship God. Whoever they are, whatever stage in their life may be, David is reminding us that God whom we serve is bigger than any problem, bigger than any circumstances, bigger than any obstacles that you're facing right now. What is the obstacle that you're facing right now? The God whom we serve is bigger than any obstacles that we're facing at the moment. When the going gets tough, praise God. Praise God for his never-ending goodness. In hard times, choose to praise him. Choose to bow down and worship him. The choice is yours, friends. What do we do when life's falling apart? Firstly, praise him. But that's not all. Secondly, this is what David says in verses 4 to 7. 
I sought the Lord. And the Lord answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Look at his words. He delivered me from all my fears. And those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called. And the Lord heard him. And he saved him from all his troubles. David seeks the Lord. Number one, he praises God. Number two, he seeks God. He sought the Lord. When everything was falling apart, he seeks the Lord. David was one of those who overcame great fear in his life. What was the fear he was facing? Fear of all around him. They were going to kill his life. If he, go, if he was going to go into his home country, they were going to kill him. He was in the Philistine country, they were going to kill him. He was in this cave. And he says, in this place, I sought the Lord. Well, I know it sounds simple. You may be saying, well, I also prayed, but fear has not left me. Note that David was in a very difficult spot. He speaks of fear, and the word used in verse 4 is horror and dread. The word fear means horror and dread. So here was David, horrified. He dreaded at every point in his life at this moment. It is a dreaded time for David. Friends, what are the horrifying and dreadful thoughts that consumes us this morning? What is the thing that horrifies us? That we are dreaded to face that. What are those things that consume us when we go to bed and when we wake up in the morning? So how did David overcome his fear? In verse 4, David prayed, and the Lord heard, and the Lord heard. He cried with the Lord, and the Lord heard. In verse 5, David looked to the Lord, and he says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Instead of looking at his fears, David looks to the Lord. His fears could have been magnified if he was looking at them, but he looks to the Lord, and he magnifies the Lord. God becomes bigger in his picture. Let's turn. Like David, friends, instead of fearing the Lord. We fear our circumstances. It's natural that we're inclined that way. One of the first things that we do is we begin to fear the circumstances. And David did the same as well. But he shifted his focus from that problem to God. Let's turn our eyes to God who's all-knowing and all-powerful, who's everywhere. David is describing someone who sought the Lord and is radiant. Troubles are still there. But deep inside, David begins to know the peace of the Lord. Circumstances has never changed, but David now knows who, the God who he serves. Look at verse 6. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. Poor literally means miserable. So here was David, dreaded, afraid, miserable. But he seeks the Lord. He sought the Lord. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. So miserable and horrified was this man, but he called on to the Lord. And David is telling us the same thing. When the going gets tough, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord, friends. Firstly, praise God at all times. Secondly, seek the Lord. Why? Because we serve a God who hears. That's last week I was talking, I was in a, a store in, uh, uh, in Chermsai. Into the store walks a Hindu priest. So he 
tells me that he's a priest in Griffin. I told him I'm a pastor in a church at Kalanga. So we started talking. And I told him about Jesus. And as we finished our business, he said, I want to come and know more about this Jesus. The God you're talking about. Friends, he can make a difference. It's the name Jesus. But he's not finished yet. David is not finished yet. Thirdly, in verses 7 to 10, when the going gets tough, we should trust him. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And I was thrilled to know as I, dig, uh, as I dug deeper at this word encamp. The word encamp literally means to pitch their tent. The angels of the Lord have pitched their tent around those who fear him. And this morning, friends, if you are one of those people who's fearing God, his angels have pitched their tent around us. What an incredible assurance it is to know that God has sent his angels to pitch their tent around us. When we walk in the streets, when we walk in the situations, we have the angels who walks with us. And this is what David said. This is what David could see in that, in that cave. He could see the angels of the Lord encamping around him. Praise God, friends. And this is what God does for us. When we fear him, he's got angels around us pitching the tents around us. He protects us. He safeguards us in situations like that. David's enemies had surrounded him. Philistines on one side, Saul on the other. But in between were the angels of the Lord encamping. This omnipresence of God, the powerful God, the all-powerful God has encamped. His presence is with us and with us always. When you wake up in the morning or when you go to bed at night, and when you think those things are consuming you and you can't see your way around, friends, take a step back and say, Lord, I know you're with me at this moment. Your presence is all around me. And God is there to lead us and guide us. He is with us always. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Just like the angels who pitched their tent around us. His presence is with us always. And verse 8. He says, taste and see the goodness of the Lord. What does it mean to taste? And see, what is David talking about tasting the Lord here? Psalms 34 encourages us. David encourages us to experience God for ourselves. And see the goodness of God. Stand and experience, friends. Experience the goodness of God. We don't serve a God who's dead. A God who's alive. And experience Him. Experience His power. Experience His healing. Experience His goodness of what God can do in our lives. And this is what David is saying when he says, taste and see. Experience the goodness of God in our lives. God is so good. Experience it. Experience it. Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Verse 10 illustrates the principle that underlying, uh, that's underlying in verses 8 and 9. There are few animals as awesome as powerf- and powerful as a young lion. And many commentators say when David was in the cave, he could hear the roar of lions at night. And he's bringing that into the situation in the psalm as he's writing there. Young lion is a symbol of strength. And yet, in spite of its strength, young lions grow, go hungry. As great as it may be, its strength, as great as its strength may be, it's no guarantee of plenty. In contrast to the young lions, those who fear and trust in the Lord are confident and they will lack no good thing. Young lions may grow hungry, but those who fear and trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. God gives his good gifts to his children. So in this third point, David is telling us that when going gets tough, that we should trust him. Three things David did, friends. Number one, he praises God. Number two, he sought the Lord. And number three, he trusts in the Lord. In that cave, in that situation. This is what he continues to say in Psalms 34, verse 14 and 15. But I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. Many times, my my times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies and from those who pursue me. Just like David, Jesus was facing his own battles, hanging on the cross, nearing his death, bearing our sin and our judgment. It was tough going for Jesus. And he cried out in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And just the time when he took upon the sin of the whole world upon himself. Father God could not see the sin upon his son. And looking at what Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt, he felt that forsakenness because of the sin that was taken upon himself. It was a cost that Jesus paid for our redemption. Every difficult situation that you're going through, we go through the cross. And friends, let me tell you this morning, whatever is going through in our lives, whatever is going through in our lives, God knows it. He knows it. Whatever happens, it has to go through Him. He knows it. He knows what we're going through. Jesus knows every situation that we're going through. And He's promised to be with us during these times. And He's promised to be with us always. Though things may not always work out the way we want it, but let's trust God. And in conclusion, coming back to Edison, the story of Thomas Edison, as you're sitting there and watching everything burn around him, they were burning to ashes. The next morning, Thomas Edison looked around, looked at the ruins, and he said, There's great value in disaster. All our mistakes are burnt up. Thank God we can start again and start new. Well, three weeks after Edison, after the fire, Edison managed to deliver the first phonograph. Friends, this psalm 
is for those who find themselves between a rock and a hard place. It is here we are encouraged to praise God always. It is here that we are encouraged to seek the Lord. It is here we are encouraged to finally trust in Him and take refuge in Him. Oh, magnify the Lord. Come, let us glorify Him. As the musicians would come from the front. Friends, if you are going through a, a situation like that, a difficult situation, and you're wondering, everything is burning up before me. Things are falling apart. And as we sing and glorify God, let's look to Him this morning. Let's put our trust in Him and seek Him. And let His praise continually be in our mouths as we worship God. Our Father God, we pray this morning. For some, it's not a happy day. There are life challenges that we are facing at the moment. And just like David, hunted down in a cave, he saw angels of the Lord pitching the tents around. And in that cave, he said, I will magnify the Lord. In that cave, he said, I will seek the Lord. In that cave, he said, I will put my trust in him. So Father, we pray that you administer to each and every one of us here this morning. Lord, we all go through kind of battles and difficulties and hardships. And for some, Lord, things have been crumbling apart and falling apart. We don't know what to do next. Father, we pray that you minister to us right now. And those who are watching online, minister to us, we pray, oh God. Speak to us and touch us. And as we sing this song, there will be a prayer. And those of you who want prayer can come from the front and we'll, we'll pray for you here after the song is over. And those of you who are going out, have a wonderful day. And God bless you. Thank you.